Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney, joined tonight by Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello. And we're also joined by our friend, PC Gamer's own, Fraser Brown. I almost said freelance writer, but it's been ages since you've been a freelancer. It's, it's been like three years, four years, three years. Yeah, it's been a while. Anyway, Yeah, who? but you know, how, you know what life is like at this age, where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, Fraser just started a PC Gamer. No, no. <laughs> That's not how it is. Um, so today we are going to be discussing Siege Survival, Gloria Victus, uh, which I guess you could describe as medieval, this war of mine. Uh, but Troy, that's that's a very crude shorthand. What is Siege Survival and like what do you get up to in it? Seed survivals, yeah, it's something like this war of mine is a little bit of survival colony stuff in it. Uh, There's a little bit of, there's a lot of crafting in it. You play a small group of civilians uh, in a siege in a protected spot, and it's your job to scrounge through the ruins of the city, avoiding detection for the enemy forces, and gather enough loot and food and water to not just keep your small party alive, but to keep the bastion viable, to keep the defender's defense effective by sending them fresh arrows, repairing their weapons, uh, giving them stuff to repair the walls, and keeping them fed and watered. This is a game that is about scrounging and scavenging. It is about uh, time management and small party management, like very, very small. Um, and it is a game that I think is, I like more in concept than in execution, but I still think there's something of value here. Yeah, it's got that compelling loop that I think a lot of good survival games have, and it can be a bit of a tricky balance to strike, uh, making it so that, you feel like you are making progress, like it's not a complete trial and error tightrope walk, uh, but at the same time that like you always are a little bit under the gun, that this is very much a game about uh, balancing different meters so that you have the defenders of the keep uh, who need supplies, but then also your survivors themselves uh, have their own needs and things will go awry on missions that will kind of change what your re- resource distribution needs to be uh and so i like it's a game that i find very yeah i find it very compelling uh i i it is a game where once i get in a good groove i find it very difficult to stop playing uh but at the same time when fraser was talking this weekend about not really uh getting on with it and being a little bit ambivalent about playing much more of it I totally got where he was coming from. Uh, Fraser, what was what was sort of keeping you at arm's length from this? I think Troy was right in that the, the concept is actually pretty compelling, but the execution is sorely lacking. It felt like I was just playing these discrete little sections of a game, constantly just moving from one little section to the other. Now I'm in the courtyard doing some really boring mundane crafting. Now I'm sneaking around this little town 
which is also quite boring and mundane. And it just felt like every single element was dreadfully dull. I think it sums it up. It's just an incredibly boring game. Uh, I, I didn't see any sort of spark in it, even though on paper it seems to have a lot of potential. There are just a lot of little niggles as well. Like the UI feels like a mobile phone game UI. Like it doesn't have robust menus. It feels like you, it, it feels like something where you'd be limited like there was limited screen space so they were like putting big icons here and there and instead of just giving you a nice neat menu but i've got like a massive monitor here i could have big menus it'll be fine i it just felt like it wanted to me to tap on things which i hated even as you're like walking around the city scavenging it's all little icons popping up you can scavenge something here you can scavenge something here here's a fire to put out I, I just, yeah, I didn't like any of it, really. <laughs> huh, interesting. Well, that was a very good uh, PC gamer gaming master race post. Um, <laughs> Damn this mobile UI, ca- dirty casual. See, I, I, I mean, I th- you're right that the, the gameplay elements are distinct, but I do find them connected and not necessarily discrete, even though they are very different in their gameplay. The... Um, the only thing you have in common is you're waiting for the timer to go through as you're searching or building or whatever. But especially when you move on to like, when you start opening up new areas of the map, um, you start being able to explore and scavenge only a small part of the city map. And then you need to, you know, bust through new openings. And then that opens up more of the city for you to scavenge. And that's really, I think, where the game kind of comes into its own. Uh, I think in some ways by closing you off to so such a small space to the, at the beginning is kind of a mistake. But once you have more places to explore, all of a sudden the decision points become a little bit tighter. Do you go back to the place you already know because you know they have wood there? You know you left some medicine back there because your pack was full and uh, Gerald is sick and you got to take care of Gerald, but the Bastion really needs arrows and you just opened up the uh, rich part of town, and you know you can get some armaments there. Can the but you and, and in one night you can only go to one one area. So you all of a sudden run into all of these things, all of these game parts intersecting because some parts of the map are rich in some resources and poor in others. Um, so you end up do having these types of decision points which are affected by what is going on in your tiny little courtyard. Um, and, you know, the, these decisions come, I mean, there isn't, it does start with one, like, really early tough decision you have is when you go out and you scavenge, you find a shovel. Great. But the shovels is a one-use item. Which part of the map do you open up with that shovel? Because uh, that really changes the course of the game. And I've haven't, I've only got like midway through like one game. I spent a lot of time going back and retrying different openings and trying the caravan uh, uh, scenario that just dropped uh, last week. And I think there are parts of this game that are linked very, very tightly, but it just takes you a while to get there. And I think that's one of my major issues with the game. Yeah, I was bored way before that. I couldn't get far into it. I just, I just really, after one of my wee lads died and it looked like all well, was lost that. for me. Yeah, you, um, shouldn't, you shouldn't have killed him. 
Uh, yeah, well, he deserved it. But uh, <laughs> but after he died and it looked like always lost and I, it looked like I'd have to restart, I was just like, no, no, there are better things that I could be doing with my time. There was nothing making me want to come back for more. I, I, th- I think one of the, the big problems for me was this lack of connection I had to the castle. Mm-hmm. Like mm. when I'm looking at something, like I've been playing quite a bit of Going Medieval and I care what happens to my little medieval settlement in Going Medieval because I built it. I brought in these people. Maybe I even designed some of them and they mattered to me. I felt like I'd be willing to do some grindy stuff because the reward was seeing these characters i i've come to care about thrive um or this town (laughs) that i've built i want to see it grow and develop there's nothing like that there's nothing there's no comparison really here because you have what you're meant to like struggle away for a few weeks and just kind of hold out you are developing i guess but it doesn't have that same sense of expansion and even though these characters have backstories and personalities although the ones i encountered they weren't personalities i was interested in like spending time with uh even though they have this they they weren't mine they were these completely like scripted characters and i think that can work because we've seen that in this war is mine like it has a very similar structure but i think the writing was stronger the stakes were more interesting and it was also something i could sort of if it was fairly contemporary it's it was set in a war that we can imagine today and it felt quite realistic and grim uh, whereas this it felt too video gamey for the uh you know for the grim setting of a siege i think the the part that resonates with me is there's a lot of places in this game where I, where i where i look at it and i wish I wish they'd done a bit more with it or I wish they'd had more more accurately. I think there's a lot of places where I wish they'd had more resources to kind of continue along the direction there. They, they were thinking, uh, Troy, I think before we recorded, you, you said that this is a game that for you feels like it's so close, uh, sometimes. Yeah. And I, and I think little examples of that are like when it uses sketch art, it's pretty good. Like the little bits of fiction, they're not, there's not enough of them to really be good per se, but I see the idea and I wish there were a little bit more of that. Like, you know, when Fraser, you're talking about, they have personalities, uh, or that you, or allegedly these are characters, but really what they are is they're characters who are good at some things and bad at others. Uh, but you don't get a strong sense, at least outside the tutorial of like, Oh, these are people and they have relationships and, uh different events will happen because of these characters or where the morale is at really that didn't come up too much for me um you're not going to see them like betray each other or like fight and someone leaves or something like that and those are often the most compelling management conundrums in these kinds of games and they're and they're different skills i mean your party's never big enough for the choice of their skill to really matter all that much. I mean, no. okay, one guy's really good at building stuff, but there are only three folks and someone's got to sleep. So I have to choose between two people and 
someone's got to scavenge, someone's got to sleep. And what's that person going to do? Who knows? The fact that he's a good builder is kind of, he can build things a little bit faster. That's not exactly, there aren't enough tasks and not enough people for the skills to actually make a huge difference as far as character personality. Though I think that's a great idea. Um, and I think that's really a good way to go for this sort of thing. You want to have, uh, maybe have your armorer focusing on repairing the weapons and that sort of thing. Great, fantastic. But if I only have, you know, three people in there, sorry, dude, but you've got to spend all night going out there gathering wood. That doesn't uh, feel like you're really because, managing them in that because case. Because the, the, the other person needs to sleep. I mean, there just there isn't really a choice there. Um I mean, you could spend the night not scavenging, but then that's a night of not bringing things back. And sometimes you do want to get everybody some rest. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the the little scripted encounters are nice. So I don't find a lot of them. Like in the tutorial, there's a moment very early, your first time scavenging, you go out there and you find somebody and, you know, she's trying to cut down the body of one of her relatives. And your choices are to just take the axe away from her because the Bastion can use that. Or you help her, you know, dispose of her relative. And whichever way you go, it's not clear if that matters. So just take the goddamn axe, you know? Because you're never going to see this lady again. It's not like she's going to pop up as a character later in the keep and you need to deal with the fallout from that. Uh, so these little, you know, scripted encounters uh, throughout the city it would be nice if there was a little more follow through. Um, the decisions really isn't much of a decision to not choice not to be. There's a reason not to be complete jerk ass survivor um, as you go through and, and, and do your stuff. Um, it's so the, the character stuff I think could be stronger. I think they're on the right track of having. Um, you know, people with different characteristics. Uh, the, 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 the caravan scenario that just dropped, you start with one of your party members sick. So the first thing you need to do is go in and get some medicine and then you rescue somebody else. So you start with a party of three and that's great. Um, and I think that's a fantastic way to start the scenario. Uh, you have three people to manage and their skills start to manage a little bit more at the beginning. Um, and then they start lobbing, you know, diseased cows at you and people get sick again and, it's just very tiring. Uh, but there is some really interesting stuff potentially there, the character directions, if they just push them a little more. Yeah, and, and I think that extends to, um, like, this notion of the neighborhoods having an identity, at least in terms of, like, what their loot table looks like. I think if that were bolstered by just a little bit more, like, visual differentiation that town would feel a lot more interesting. It would feel a little more like, um, so consistently, I think one of the things this game is going for is this feeling of you are this group of survivors who are from a community. All the neighborhoods are named you run as, as new people join your party. It doesn't happen very often, uh, but, but more people can join up. Um, there's the sense of it's a small town. Everyone kind of knows each other. Uh, and I think that we're supported by things like, when you go into the low town, for instance, uh, which is a little bit more of like the, the peasant uh, neighborhood. One of the things that I seem to notice is that it seems like tons of people have like, th there's tons of vegetables in the ground uh, and maybe implying like, Hey, people have like lots of garden plots here uh, in a way that they don't in say like the merchant district or whatever. Okay, cool. But 
everything still is drawing from the really limited pool of like art assets, right? Like all the buildings still look the same. It's still basically the same bodies littering the ground. Uh, it's still like the same barrels and piles of rubble everywhere. And so what you what you get is there's a lot of places where um, seed survival is trying to paint this uh, sort of epic picture of your survivors scrapping it out and scrabbling through the city by night and then uh you know defending helping the uh defenders uh hold the barricades by by day um but in terms of like what you're actually looking at what you're actually doing it can feel uh very samey and so i i think one of the I, I actually didn't I didn't even see uh, until like today that there was a there was a new scenario. So I'm I'm curious to hear if that one alleviates some of this, uh, because, yeah, I think it's like it wouldn't take much for me to suspend my disbelief a bit more in this and get on board with it. Um, but as it is, like when when Fraser is talking about just kind of a bland, samey uh you know, vibe. There is a lot of that, uh, especially because this is a game where, uh, you know, on the, on the normal difficulty, you don't have a lot of margin for error. And so once you get in one of those uh, failure spirals, which I think are very hard to escape. uh, So I think this is a game where like, once things turn against you, it's really hard to motivate yourself to keep playing um versus restarting and 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 trying again uh i think all these things make the game a harder sell than it would have to be um and a little bit less evocative uh than it could be but like on so many of these fronts they're 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 closer than they appear yeah i mean there's a lot of like key decision points in the game you have to get to i mean you, like you need to get your uh, storehouse upgraded as quickly as you can so you can build the garden plot. Because if you don't build the garden plot, you won't have enough vegetables to create fodder to feed the animals so the animals don't die. And it's just the fact that that is that very crucial structure is behind an upgrade uh, that takes quite a bit to get to. It takes quite a bit of wood and a toolbox to get up there while the missions are telling you, no, no, you got to build uh, a medical thing and you got to build an armor repair set and all this other stuff, when really your priority, you soon realize, is yep. getting food for your animals so they don't pass out. Um, Fuck those animals, Troy. They suck. It, it it's is like your work. chickens are ill, your pigs are ill. I don't give a shit anymore. Cause, cause I just let them, them die. You gotta feed them. Uh, yeah, you can you can do that too. Uh, but you know you they, can, they, yeah. they 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 produce eggs and the pigs produce fertilizer, so you get this whole loop. And you can occasionally slaughter a pig if you need food, and that's fantastic. You're gonna send food up. Um, but if you have like two, but if like Fraser said, if you have only two people at the very beginning, and somebody dies, you're pretty much done for, because uh, mm-hmm. you've got to either luck into finding somebody else to help you uh or you restart because there's no way you can muddle through with just one person just lose way too much time on it uh the caravan scenario has kind of an alternate victory yes there's the bastion and it's under siege but there's also a boat because you're like 
stuck on a, a, a fortified caravan port, and there's a wrecked cog. And if you build the cog, everyone can escape. So you've got like these two competing victory conditions you can do. Um, and there's also a sunstroke. Uh, that's your big thing because it's in the desert. So if you're out too long ex pillaging the caravan, the looted caravan for whatever's left, you can get a heat stroke or something. Uh, and they lob the diseased cows very, very early uh, in that scenario. But this it just does sounds have, even worse. But, and, but it is, I mean, it, it starts like, I mean, I, I don't, I kind of don't recommend people play the tutorial. Uh, which I makes kind of agree. Like, Kind of, kind of likes heresy for me because you it starts you with pretty much nothing. The game is not hard to learn; it's very easy to figure out. And but the advanced start gives you two healthy people, a couple of structures to work with, not just the one storehouse, and a few resources you can meddle around in. So it gives you, I think, more of a less chance of I think of spiraling into disaster if you begin with the advanced start instead of the tutorial. But that's just me. To that, I would add that I do think playing on the easiest difficulty is a good way to get started because mm -hmm. this is one of those... Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, what you these survival games of this stripe are uh, really gussied up worker placement games. And one of the big things that makes them tick is the um i don't know that the economy is quite the right way to put it but the, the crafting economy the way yeah. the resources condense into other resources and yeah if you play the tutorial this game would ha have you believe that like oh you should be responding to all these little needs as, as they arise but what you don't see until you're kind of flush with resources is that the upgraded craftings uh like uh, infrastructure the upgraded crafting tables are so much more efficient that if you are not upgrading stuff like asap yeah you're a chump um you are going to like just starve in this game because you will not be able to uh be efficient enough to survive this this siege and so the tutorials like, oh, but, you know, somebody's sick, better get the medicine. Oh, uh, the, the Bastion needs needs weapons, uh, need, needs arrows, re, uh, you know, created for it. Uh, so you need to build arrows so they can defend it. And really, one of the things that makes this game uh, manageable is that, no, you, you need to drop everything and upgrade all your crafting uh, locations. Because only then will you be able to make the most of the resources you've got. And yeah, like the garden plot is critical. It produces food, but almost more important, it produces, uh, you know, herbs you can turn into fibers, which are kind of a omni, like omni useful, uh, you know, crafting item for, for a lot of things. And so, yeah, I think the game kind of actually sends you barking up the wrong tree because it conceals a lot of the way its crafting economy actually works um, behind this trial and error thing. And on, on default difficulty, it's very hard to sort of get enough of, of a perspective to know what you're supposed to do. But once you do get a chance to realize, like, everything becomes ridiculously efficient. If you are cooking at the level one cook fire, 
um, you are just wasting wood and wasting food. But if you upgrade it to level two, you can literally feed that army that you've got to feed uh, because everything you send off to the bastion uh, changes what's going to happen when a when a castle assault uh, goes on. And and so, yeah, I think the game makes it a little bit harder for itself uh, because I think it will teach you a lot of things that if you actually apply those lessons, you will get frustrated wondering why it is sort of strangling you uh, from the jump. The other thing this game won't sort of uh, teach you for a bit is you really need to um, focus on what your scavenging runs are really targeting, what resources you're targeting, because if you're just kind of grabbing everything you find, you will never have efficient runs. Um, you've really got to max out your carrying capacity. Um, and that's another thing that you you sort of got to, feel out uh by seeing what characters can actually carry and 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 how uh how big the stacks are of each item that you can you can carry in each inventory slot yeah you can carry like five things of wood in a slot but ten things of materials i was doing air quotes there so it's whatever materials are um and yeah a lot of there's a that's, that's deciding what you need and what your priorities are and do you want to have like, can you find fresh water or is the dirty water that you can clean up going to be enough? The the scavenging in the early game, yeah, you're just going to be grabbing stuff back and just looking for as much wood as you can find. Um, but as, as you move further on, you're, you're going to be making decisions and based on what the Bastion needs and which structure you want to... Um, uh, upgrade and where your food's coming from. Um, and... Uh, I wish these things were a little more tightly linked. As Fraser says, sometimes they feel distinct. But I really do think there is the core of a really compelling Siege game here. Now, part of this is, uh, I, I, this is the kind of game I'd love to have. This is a game where you are, you're not doing the fighting. You're not, you never see the battles. You'll see, you know, stuff, you'll see Siege weapons will be dropping stuff into your keep and you have to hide from soldiers doing their patrols at night. But you're not doing the fighting. All you see when there's an attack is the two numbers at the top, uh, the attackers and the defenders, duking it out and seeing whose number gets uh, the lowest. But you are trying to be a civilian. Um, but I, I still don't feel like there is, unlike you know this war of mine, which it does have some similarities to, there's really no sense of despair and suffering. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I mean, people. The people gloomy get, people, soundtrack tries to do its bit, but yeah, I mean, pe pe people get sick and people need things to live, but it doesn't feel any more like emotional or touching than if, say, in going medieval, somebody gets gets attacked by a wolf and they get wounded. I feel the same nothing about either of these people. Um, there isn't any connection. There isn't any emotional draw. So there's no sense. There's no sense that this is a population that is really under siege. I mean, you go out and when you're scavenging, and you find lots of people, you know, hiding in the town, either you know, willing to sell you something or trade you something or give you an axe you can steal. Why can't you bring them back to the safety of your keep? You know, why isn't there? a way to, you know, have the choice of, do I want to, do I risk overpopulating my keep area where I can't support everybody? 
or, or if more people got killed out there, that reduces, you know, soldier morale and the bastion gets weaker if I'm not saving people out there. Why is not there that kind of tension that I think would like really break the, make the seeds more than, you know, some fantasy castle in a children's book that's being attacked by horned warriors. You literally find a hospital and you're like, Hey, have a bandage. All right, good luck then. See you around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's filled with these like innocent people who are definitely going to die and you're like, yeah, we've got a safe place, but I'm not going to tell you about it or anything. Here's yeah. a little some some of the medical supplies I find for scavenging, and now you're on your own. It's so weird. But I I would disagree with your point about. I mean, I wouldn't disagree that you don't feel anything when someone gets attacked by a wolf and going medieval. But I certainly do not because they have any overt personalities and it, they don't have the sort of relationships that characters do in say Rimworld. But in Going Medieval, they do have specialities and skills that matter a lot more than they do in Seed Survival. Yeah. Um, they, like this person who got attacked by a wolf might have been your best miner or your best fighter. Uh, and with them laid up or potentially even dying, you might be at a loose end. If, if Whereas was, if he, someone dies in this, it's like, oh, actually, you just have to start We'll again. probably talk about going medieval in a future show. He was my best fighter, I'd be worried. My best miner, mm. those skills those skills level up so fast. Miner, they do level up miner farmer, brewer. Just take the next kid and just pop them into that. Best fighter or hunter, then I'd be worried. <laughs> but what I... What I really am missing is are those moments like in This War Is Mine uh, where you would meet another survivor and you would meet at gunpoint and they're nervous and you're nervous and you'll hear their tragic story and you'll maybe decide to help them, maybe bring them back, maybe kill them and just be this merciless like bandit stealing their medical supplies that maybe they maybe there's someone looking after an old parent and you're like i don't care kill them both steal the steal the loot back to base don't tell anyone about it and then kill yourself over regret and it's like it's miserable but what a compelling story that is there's right. not even a hint of that really here so going medieval um I thought it was just more of a castle management game. It's it's a proper survival game. It, it, it has been medieval rim world. It, it's, it, it is, yeah, it's medieval rim world. It's very rim similar. Rim it's almost like right down to the way that you manage people's schedules. So you'll say you're doing this, like you you you'll split the day up into different sections for sleeping, for chilling out, for working, and then you can actually just like RimWorld, say, this is your top priority, chopping wood, this is your second priority, farming. And you could do that forever, and it's full-on kind of management of, of everything, and then surviving as well, because you have a lot of scarcity on the map. Uh, you have to really level up, basically, before you can get to the, the good resources. So, I'm curious, let me... Let me posit this um i think this is a game that goes in pretty hard on systems uh trying to create more stuff for you to directly be uh interacting with like you know the, the stealth system where uh oh by night you're creeping around the city and trying to avoid the vision cones of the guards um which is probably 
overly simple uh you know the it, at first it's it's kind of cool i think i definitely like, hit a what point if desperado where, is but shit <laughs> there yeah that's a bit reductive but not entirely unfair uh it is kind of underbaked um this notion that like you create noise and people will like hear you but you're given so much alert uh that you're given so much forewarning that someone is in the area because these guards are carrying these like almost flare like uh torches around so you can see the light coming for from ages like the balrog is coming down the hall uh it's it's pretty easy to avoid these patrols and while the night cycle is pretty short and so that like the the tension between exploring more and getting back to uh safety uh scuttling back to your hidey hole before dawn that's uh you know pretty persistent and and good uh it is definitely a little a little underbaked and and what i think about with um you know this war of mine but particularly where they went after that uh where 11 bit went went after that was of course frostpunk and if you look at these games um the systems are actually pretty simple like the scenarios aren't asking you to really like solve economic problems that are all that difficult or or manage resource uh, pools that are that are all that complicated um where 11 bit kind of went all in was just creating more of a sense of narrative um and, and more plot beats that that don't even change really from run to run like you will find the same uh people on the overworld map in frostpunk and the same thing will happen again and again but it kind of works uh because that that journey while it might be repetitive uh is is pretty well realized and, and pretty well sketched here it's like those narrative hooks aren't really built out because where where the game is sort of staking everything is on this uh resource management stuff and that's the stuff that while challenging i don't think creates enough of a compelling story to capture the imagination you know frostpunk or or this war of mine i'm kind of like damn i really want to know like what happens if you get deeper into the scenario uh with with siege survival i'm as i've been answering more questions about how it really works it's not like i've hit points where i'm kind of surprised by oh wow it's it's cool once you hit this sort of uh inflection point in the story and things really start to change up uh it, it is just more like okay well i'm I, i'm managing to keep these plates spinning but they're not particularly it's not particularly interesting to watch them spin it feels like the, uh it's built from this uh the a foundation of i've lost my train of thought here um yeah it feels like they're creating a crafting survival game where they think that it's inherently fun to craft things and survive and you don't really need much beyond those systems if the crafting is deep if the survival is tricky then that's all that's necessary in a crafty survival game but if you look at pretty much every successful crafting and survival game those two things are rarely at the headline attractions 
those aren't the things that people remember. You're never like, wow, there were so many crafting recipes. Nobody has ever said that or gotten excited about that because that's dreadfully dull. These things, the, the foundations of this genre, are actually intensely dull, but they can generate really interesting scenarios if they're used appropriately. So it's not necessarily the struggle uh, or the stuff that you can create in this war of mine that's not what gets people going. It's the stories. And these things feed into that. They really play second fiddle. They're, they're a supporting role, even if the genre is named after them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even... They, they, they set this up with this great story of an invasion and a siege, but it really doesn't feel like a game based on a story. It's based on kind of a setting. And you know, story stuff might happen, but I'm not sure there is a larger story. I haven't. I mean, I've played like one session, you know, reasonably far in, but not too far in. A lot of them, I just keep you know, like trying new starts, uh, either because I die or because I want to try something different. Um, so I, I maybe there is some great you know story twist at the end, but I don't see how that could be because there's. The only time you have any interaction at all with the antagonists is when you're playing ha 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 hide and seek with them. And that's, you know, they're always it and you're always hiding and that's not always fun. So there's without any of that interaction, um, there really isn't any story. Uh, there isn't any, it's not like this war of mine where sometimes the antagonists are your fellow survivors. Here, everybody's pulling together. We're a town, we're a community. Um, the only people who are problems are the enemy soldiers. So I, I don't think there is a greater, larger story to push through, like in Frostpunk, where it's you know person versus environment, or this war versus mind, person versus humanity in the unfairness of the universe. Um, this is, yeah, there's a lot of crafting, and you know, crafting is not inherently interesting. But I, I do think there are a lot of really good I'm going to sound like a total boring PC gaming Reddit dork here. I like how many of the systems are clean, how many of them do work well together past a certain point. Um, I, I, I do think this is very, very close to being a very, very good game. I think it does have a need for more character and more color. Um, I think all the parts are here. It just needs, I don't want to say it needs more backstory, but oh my God, maybe it does need more backstory. Well, it needs backstory insofar as I think it needs things that will come up and drive further action in the game. You know, like if there were a sense of backstory in term, well, I mean, the map itself and the things they tell you about the community, you know, it's a medieval town, uh, you know, seaside trade port. Uh, there are there's rich and poor uh, there's there's like merchant and uh, gentry all sort of in this one place um, but the thing that I, I think the other thing that you find in a lot of good survival stories is that if they're about people coming together and surviving and overcoming uh, in you know against the odds the thing that's interesting there is in the coming together, despite, despite there being something right, despite there being some differences or tensions. Uh, the thing that the, the optimistic survival story is that people can sort of, uh, 
learn to trust each other and come together and, and work together. And the more, um, you know, the, 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 the more grim pessimistic one, uh, you know, a bit of the, you know, Romero uh, night of the living dead thing is that ultimately we think we can come together uh, in the face of these challenges, but those same, those fault lines will be our undoing that when the chips are down, those same resentments, those same suspicions will cause the group to fracture. And I, and I think in games, what you have the option of doing is the story can go either way. Maybe it does turn into that uh, the survivors turning on each other, or maybe it does turn into that uh, everyone sort of uh, working together to to figure yeah. this out. You, your your role as kind of the the manager of this uh, this group is to see which way the story is going to play out and, and maybe how you end up resolving some of these differences. You know, the Frostpunk, uh, Frostpunk has a really weird uh, tight horseshoe political spectrum where it's like Christian uh, reactionaries and uh, like um, fascist authoritarians. Like these are the two easiest ways to deal with the challenges of survival in that game. But nevertheless, you kind of have the, the option of saying, here's how we're going to get through this. Here's how we're going to sort of remake uh, this, this society uh, in extremis to, to get through, get through this. And that's where the backstory comes in is that you, you have events and you have systems that are being kind of informed by these tensions. Every time you open um, a building uh, menu in Frostpunk and click the button to extend people like 12 hour shifts, that is a that is a story that you are telling. That is a that is a narrative beat, uh, and often there's an event that will trigger with that, where where having made this choice, different things will happen. Um, in Seed Survival, mostly what you have, I think, are the systems operating like gears in a watch or something, um, and they don't really have a sense of being connected to any kind of historical reality within this world uh, or any sort of imagined future for these characters, for, for what they, for what they want to get to uh, the, the scenario is survive, sur survive the siege uh, just, you know, last another day and another day after that. And as I've said, that's, pretty compelling for me like if you you set me a challenge like that and it's it's sort of tightly balanced and that daily survival is is tough i will kind of get hooked on that but i think the reason that like you know i've, I've probably put uh eight ten hours in this thing uh so far and the reason that's kind of coming up on the end of my time with it um Whereas like Frostpunk, I, I think I've got like 20, 30 hours in that playing the different scenarios. The difference is the different ways it can play out and the little stories that that unfold uh, across across it here. I've sort of I'm, I'm mastering the workings of the gears. And once that's done, there's not there's there's no twists coming i don't want to see what happens next because there's very little implied to, to suggest that what happens next will actually be interesting i think you've shown as well why narrative is more than just backstory and flavor and things like that it's actually crucial to these games and it's not something you can just add 
later after you've got the systems down it needs to be holistic so it feels like there is something missing because there is there's this huge gap in there and i don't think you could just sort of fill it um in the middle it's early access right now isn't it right or is it out fully? i think it's done man yeah I think is it done i think this is it well, i had to oh not, i felt yeah. super early access no it is <laughs> not. this is not early access this is uh this is a yeah well then it's then that's never going to happen. Or maybe it will with DLC, but I feel like if you've not considered these things right from the beginning, then they're never really going, even if you do put them in, they're never really going to work. They're never really going to gel because you weren't considering these things when you started. No, the game is sort of built to operate this exact way, right? Like exactly. the, the, the way the resource uh, balancing works is that that's kind of built. Uh, now I imagine if it's done well enough, they could make further scenarios. Like I should, I'm, I'm curious how this lost convoy thing uh, works, but like you could probably reinvent the game somewhat uh, in future scenarios uh, because then you can build different events and script different things yeah. in there and create a different vibe. But the, the base scenario and, and the loop there is, is very much just like ultimately you're solving a math problem. One thing that, I thought had potential, but it ended up being detrimental more than anything, is that you're not the boss, right? You're not the king or queen in the castle ordering everyone around. You're an RTS player, an invisible god. Yeah, you know, and and you're really only interacting with civilians who have no authority. So you're not making these big meaningful decisions the decisions you're making is like how many arrows are we going to send to the bastion which we never ever see or are we going to build a bed today who's going to sleep it's not you're not developing in the way that you would in say frostpunk where you are actually like the boss you're deciding the city's morality really and then punishing people who don't stick to it there's never like you're never punishing people you could theoretically i guess you could be like i'm going to let this fucker starve because i don't like the cut of his jib but you never get to like learn anything about these people they never do anything wrong so there's never any need to uh, exact some vengeance so i am curious about this um fraser did you ever do the premature evaluation column for rps I did. I think I inherited yeah, it from you. Yeah, okay. So you and I have both through the, been through just the spirit-breaking, uh, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> grind of the early access ev- eval game. Um, I mean, I loved it because it was like a guaranteed review a week for me, and as a freelancer, that's great. But uh, yeah, it really did break me after a little while. I only stopped when I got the job at PC Gamer. Yeah, I think I did it for about a year and a bit. And to be very clear, like, I think I will never understood how, like, uh, you know, Brendy Caldwell uh, did it as well as they did for for as long as they did. But and Marsh Davis, who started it, was like for a very long time was on it. But yeah, so but I I think one thing that both of us have in our experiences, I feel like you and I were in the crucible of when every <laughs> single game was just like and we put crafting in it like when you yeah. when you were saying like oh crafting is not a selling crafting is not fun there's nothing inherently cool about crafting but you and i both were there when everyone was convinced that like i solved what's going to make this game good crafting 
And this uh, is still happening. It's just they don't even bother saying this is what's going to make it good. It's just the expected feature in every game is crafting. But I, I do, I, I do kind of wonder, like, to I, I think this game might feel a little more generic if you've played a million of those games. To to me, it still feels better than most of those games that were just sort of tossing crafting into, uh, you know, survival or management games. Uh, but it definitely does ring that bell. And, and I do wonder, like, do you think you would feel a little more warmly toward this if you hadn't spent, if you hadn't spent so much time in the minds of, uh, of premature evaluation? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it's a fair question, but even before premature evaluation, when crafting was just starting to get more popular, I was always asking the question, why? Like, why does this have crafting? What am I getting out of it? Why is it here other than just it's another system that will require you to fiddle around with and spend hours? Because it, it, it does create not a compelling loop, but one filled with busy work that'll take up a lot of time, which a lot of games, especially sort of open world games, they want you to do that, especially MMOs, for God's sake. Like they want you to spend as much time as possible there. So the crafting and gathering loop, it makes sense to have that. But there needs to be more of a reward, more of a reason to put in the time. I've, been, I've not played for a little while, but for a while I was playing a lot of Valheim. And in many ways, Valheim is a very traditional survival, crafty mm -hmm. open world game. But it's it's quite low stress, especially in the beginning. It's not very punishing. It goes easy on you. But it wasn't being able to craft a shield that I liked. It was being able to craft a shield and then make it a specific color, put a pattern on it. It wasn't being able to build a house that... I enjoyed or crafting the logs for it. It was being able to actually design it and figure out where am I going to put the chimney so all the smoke comes out. So I've actually got sort of architectural conundrums to solve. That's what's compelling. And then the reward is building some magnificent, incredible castle or something like that. There's none of that in the crafting system for, for this at all. It's you're building bog standard stuff. It's very dull and you never feel like you've gotten to the next level where you're like okay now i've got some cool stuff to craft this is going to be a game changer but again i didn't put a huge amount of time into it because yeah. i got super bored but if the crafting can't grab you quickly enough then that's a problem with the system as well it shouldn't take ages before it becomes fun so i don't know in terms of like where where I come down with this game. Uh, ultimately, I like it. Um, I have some major reservations, but like I have, I guess the way I put it is I've kind of tapped out Frostpunk. There's no more Frostpunk for me to play. I've played a bunch of that. Uh, this War of Mine, got a lot out of that. Also finished that. For me, it's been a minute since I've had a game like this. So, like, even if this is probably the weakest of those I've named, there was enough there where, like, I got I got on that treadmill where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm 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 digging it. And so, for you me, settled, Rob. You've gotten to like fifty, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna marry the next woman that <laughs> walks in the door. 
that's no i just i i know what i know what i like and uh it doesn't have to be like okay now it does sound a little bit self-justifying uh as, as I discussed. like not every I'm game uh needs to be love at first sight it, there's there's room in my heart for for a game that is dependable uh that is uh that, that is nice ish i didn't notice any bugs yeah so, <laughs> so if- there's 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 a bit of there, there's a bit of that but but ultimately i think this is there, there there's a niche here that this game fits into it's not the best exemplar of of the games you find in that space but i think it works uh troy ultimately like where where have you come down with this yeah i think i'd come down closer to you than i do to fraser i mean i understand fraser's uh, it took me a while to you know get over the hump of like, why am I doing this? Uh, and then something kind of sort of clicks. Oh, okay. Once I do this, then the resource cycle t- tends to make more sense and I'm all set. Um, I-, I think there's, it's not a game that has no charm. It should have a little bit more charm than it does. Uh, but I, I think there is a lot to respect here. I think there's some talented designers. I think the next thing I do is going to be really, really strong based on this. Uh, this is actually this is a very good, well-developed strategy game. Um, but I think it's just so close to being more than it is. Uh, and I kind of mourn that missing bit. But I, I think it's worthwhile. I think it is a worthwhile game. All right. Uh, I think we will leave it there uh, for, for this week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, you can buy Seed Survival, uh, Glory Victus on Steam. Uh, it is currently, yeah, it, it'll be, it'll still be on sale for about nineteen dollars uh, American when when you hear this. It's on sale through July July eighth. Uh, its regular uh, price is twenty five dollars. So skip it. If I were to make it. a recommendation, <laughs> buy it on sale. Uh, don't listen to the cynic uh, there. It's can't it's, go in medieval. <laughs> all right we i promise we will we will take a look at going going medieval it, it is uh, still at, very at early access it is yeah that's why i've not suggested it so far we'll see yeah, get that anyway. survival's right here you know going medieval <laughs> who knows when that'll be ready for you it's but seed survival is here in the meantime <laughs> and just just it's just a game standing in front of a strategy game podcast <laughs> panel asking them to love it uh this episode was produced by liana hafer three moves ahead is hosted on the idle thumbs network you can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at three moves ahead.net or follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash three ma finally three moves ahead is supported by listeners just like you on patreon this month our five dollar patreon backers uh have heard me and troy digging into the glorious history of baseball as remembered by hollywood we took a look at the natural and at field of dreams uh two movies the with outsized reputations that belie how deeply strange they are uh and what a weird perspective on baseball uh each has so two movies worth revisiting especially through the lens of of our discussion uh troy drops a stunning bombshell in the middle of that uh, about Ty Cobb. Um, if you, if you, if you haven't heard, uh, if, if your, if your image of Ty Cobb is still based on that Tommy Lee Jones movie, uh, Troy, Troy's out here just 
blowing your mind. Uh, so, so check that out at patreon.com slash 3MA. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, for Troy, for Fraser, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.